So God, we come before you now and I just ask and pray now as Brian did that each one of us would be in that posture of surrender to you. And to, uh, I know we all have difficulties, we all have struggles and some of us have barriers even of, about relating to you. And I just pray now that that act of surrender in this moment would be that we would be open to listening to you, hearing from you to even submitting to you as we talk today about a really, really hard subject. And I just want to take time right now to pray for our Abundant Life family today. And Pastor Sam Floyd died yesterday and the loss that they're experiencing and was such an amazing pastor and friend to so many and I just pray for his family and for that church family that you would be with them and as they grieve and they celebrate that he's gone to heaven he's with you now and we just thank you so much for his testimony of faith and faithfulness even in extreme difficulty towards the end of his life and may we look to him as just as someone that we would aspire to want to be like. And God, I pray now that as we enter into this time that you'd speak to us, we would listen, we'd respond. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, you can have a seat. That'd be wonderful. And I just want to thank you for engaging and uh, for being here today. And as I just prayed for Pastor Floyd's family and for... Abundant Life Church. I know that they uh, contacted us yesterday to see if they might have a service here. We offered that they could, and uh, but I don't know what they'll choose to do. Um, but you'll be hearing more about those, those of you who love him and uh, know him and that church family. And um, so today, as I just prayed, we're going to look at one of the most difficult topics that I believe that we can cover and uh, that many of you can relate to so well. We're going to look about at how that we come at the times when we've been wronged or we've been hurt by someone else. And I'd just like to ask you, if you would, uh, that you would think of a time when someone hurt you, either by their words or by their actions or by their inaction. Now, when I ask you to think about that, I'm honestly not trying to pick a scab off a wound uh, and cause you to bleed again. But what I am asking is for you to think about this time when someone else has hurt you. And then what I want to do is I want to walk us through some steps that Paul gives us in Romans chapter 12 on how we respond to those times when we're hurt. It'll help maybe go back and uh, that you can do some soul work on your past and someone who hurt you. And I believe it's going to help you just to have something in mind now as you think about today and the future, uh, because I can guarantee you that you're going to get hurt again, uh, because we're all broken people. It's, it's going to happen. Uh, so uh, I want to ask if you want to grab your message notes out of your program. They look like this, and it says R12 there at the top, and all the Bible verses that we'll use will be here uh, and uh, then you can also take some notes today. Uh, there won't be nearly as much writing as last week, just so you know that, those of you who were cursing me last week for all the writing we did. Uh, and uh, so just know that that's not going to be there. But also open your Bibles to Romans chapter 12. 
and maybe you want to follow along there and actually take some notes in your Bible. So this is the last week in this series that we've called R12, and basically what we've done is we've gone line by line through this, what we've called pivotal chapter in the Bible. In the first 11 chapters of Romans, Paul shares the theology of what God has done for us, the knowledge that we can know of what he did for us on the cross that Jesus went to. Then beginning in chapter 12, one of the key words at the very beginning there is the word therefore, and that word is there because what he's doing now is he's saying, I'm going to give you a chance now to respond to what I've just told you, the truth about Jesus Christ. And as we've outlined in this series then, that Romans 12 is all about a series of relationships. And the key component or thought about this is that transformation, spiritual maturity, growing to be like Jesus, uh, is done as I work through life in a series of relationships. Looking at it that way, not through rules or regulations, but through relationships. And these five relationships are essential, by the way. So I put them there on your notes. I'm not going to make you write them today. The first four are there. First is our relationship with God. And this is the most important relationship, by the way. And we enter into this relationship through what Paul has outlined in the first 11 chapters through Jesus Christ. And it includes the most essential action step on our part, and that is that we surrender to him. Now, that surrender is a one-time thing, but it's also an ongoing thing, especially as I think as Brian was talking about today. We reach places where we need and want to surrender to him again. Uh, second is our relationship with culture. And what Paul talked about on that week, we looked at that we calls us the action step is to separate from culture. And what I shared with you that week is don't be conformed but be transformed, then be delighted. Because when I know God's will and walk in it, I find that that's the place of true delight. And then third is my relationship with myself. And basically, it was how to have a sober self-assessment of who I am, not to think too highly of myself, not to think too lowly of myself, to just think of myself as just right, kind of like the Goldilocks thing about that just right. And think of myself as a way that God has made me and shaped me for his purposes. Fourth was in our relationship with other followers of Jesus. And that's where we were last week. And we said that the key to this is that we'd serve other people out of or in love. And we love as we have been loved by Jesus. So, you know, we can really, you know, as he's loved us and he's called us then to go and love others. And today we come to what is the most difficult of the relationships. And it's my relationship with those who have wronged me. And some of you are already thinking, what do you mean wrong? I don't have a relationship with those who have wronged me. That's the whole idea. And so we're just going to talk about this today because you're going to find it's key. Uh, and the action Paul gives us is to respond supernaturally, to respond supernaturally to those who have hurt me. Now, just as everything that we've talked about in this series, I think is impossible on our own efforts uh, really, when it comes to this one, it's impossible to do without God's supernatural strength and power. And so, hurt, we need to hear this, if these relationships are about spiritual development and growth, hurt has the greatest potential of any relationship except my relationship to God to help me grow. Uh, I'm not trying to minimize our hurt. I'm not trying to be trite about this. But it has the greatest potential to help us to be conformed and to transform to the image of Christ. 
it also has the greatest potential to derail us. Derail us. And you know people who are derailed today because they were hurt in some way. And they either were hurt by a person or an organization, uh, or many of them maybe feel even that God has let them down and they've been derailed now. And they're on the side of the road somewhere or they're engaging in behaviors that are hurting them and hurting others in some way. When we talk about hurt, we're talking about a broad spectrum. So just know that. It's just not you know, just the majors, the biggies. The broad spectrum of hope is that on one end, you have people who just don't like you. Now, it's hard to figure that out, right? But there are people who just don't like you. So you have that on one end. And then uh, you have people who have hurt you, kind of in the middle. These are the people who have hurt you or wronged you. And then on the other end of the spectrum, we have people who are just that you just feel are bound and determined to wrong you, that that's their goal in life. Uh, is to make life miserable for you. And so, you know, I've had lots of people come up to me knowing that I was talking about this week and email me, and uh, they all would say something like this, I can't wait for Sunday to talk about this. And either by their words or their facial expression, uh, what they were saying to me is, I need this so much because of the hurt I've experienced that I still can't get through or over, and I want to be done, and I want to move beyond that. So uh, I appreciate you all being here today and coming because it's, this is really one of the most helpful talks in the entire series as we do this. And I just want to be really clear about one thing, though, as I start. Uh, just the perspective I'm coming from today. Uh, and so you'll know and you'll notice as I go through this today that I'm not going to talk about what Paul is not saying. Okay? I'm not going to give the exceptions there are biblical exceptions to some of the things and the ways that we act them out that Paul is actually going to talk about in Romans 12. I'm strictly going to look at this today through the lens of what Paul is saying, what he is saying, what is the direct command that he's giving us. So uh, what do we do when we've been wronged? Well, I read this week that Sigmund Freud one time said this. He said, one must forgive one's enemies, preferably after they've been hanged. <laughs> which is another way of saying I will forgive her after I've killed her <laughs> uh, and, and that's just the way the human heart works but that kind of response is only going to make matters worse right so I'm going to begin today with the last verse of Romans 12 it's verse 21 and it says this do not be overcome by evil but overcome evil with good as John said earlier this will be our memory verse for this week. It's a simple verse to memorize. It's an extremely complex verse to live out. I'm just going to talk about this for a minute because it's going to help us. The word overcome there uh, is a key word that we want to focus on as we begin this morning. It's a military word that means to overpower, to overpower. It means to conquer or wrestle to the ground. It's in a term that is talking about aggressive action. And so what it's saying is we must be aggressive in our response to evil, just as evil has been aggressive toward us. And the only way to overcome evil, he says there, is to do good. If you respond in like kind when someone hurts you, you will never win. You will never win. Instead, what this verse is saying is you have now allowed yourself to be defeated by the very evil that came against you. As you responded in evil, you've lost you become overpowered by it, 
and you have become evil yourself. The only way to overcome evil is to overcome it with good. So then the key idea is this. You want to write this down. Followers of Jesus overcome evil by showing aggressive grace. Now, I'll bet you, I just wouldn't want to bet this crowd today, that none of you have ever seen the word grace used with the word aggressive next to it. Right? Grace is soft, right? Squishy. It's not aggressive, but it is. That's what he's talking about. It's aggressive grace. And we're going to see that overcoming evil with good is expressing aggressive kindness, aggressive forgiveness, to be aggressively positive, aggressively affirming. It takes aggressive grace to get us to respond to, with good and to keep us from getting sucked into responding with like kind when we've been wronged. Because when we do that, we are perpetuating the evil that was done against us. So I'm going to give us four ideas from these verses. And this is really clear. He said it, and I'm not going to, it doesn't take much expounding for us to go into this today. The first is this, how to respond aggressively when wrong. Bless them. Bless them. See, it already gets hard right out of the chute. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. See, one of the ways that we can bless those who've wronged us is that we work to speak well of them whenever we get the opportunity. It's a discipline. Work to speak well of them whenever we get the opportunity. But this, in this context, more than likely, what Paul was calling us to is to pray for them. Is to pray for them. So what Jesus said in Matthew 5, he said, pray for those who persecute you. He said that, pray for them. And that word persecute, it actually means someone who's pursuing you for the purpose of doing harm. That's how it's perceived sometimes, that they're pursuing us for the purpose of doing harm. This is so practical. You cannot hate someone you're praying for. You just can't do it. See, the opposite of praying for them is to curse them. Curse them. A couple of years ago, I ran across an article and it was uh, talking about these tablets that they discovered in these Roman baths. And uh, as they translated these tablets, what they realized that they were actually prayers and they were praying to one of their Roman gods. And so they've labeled these tablets curse tablets. There's, you know, looking at one of them that they found right there. That's a curse tablet. And I just want to read to you one of the prayers that they translated for one of these cursed tablets. It's a prayer to one of the Roman gods. He says this, I invoke you, holy angels, tie up, block, strike, overflow, harm, kill, destroy, and shatter Eucarius, the charioteer, and all of his horses tomorrow in the arena at Rome. <laughs> He's not finished. <laughs> Let the starting gates not open properly. Let him not complete, qu compete quickly. Let him not pass. Let him not make the turns correctly. Let him not receive the honors. Let him not come from behind and pass. But instead, let him collapse. Let him be bound. Let him be broken up and let him drag behind, both in the early races and in the later races. Wow. <laughs> and they've discovered thousands of these curse tablets. And so the idea that they were doing is they were praying, the wrong kind of prayer, and to the wrong God, actually. And they were saying, I was hurt by this person, and I want them paid back, so do this to them. One author that I read said this, said, can you imagine another category that might be called the bless my enemies tablet? 
the bless my enemies tablet? Instead of asking for revenge or harm, you would pray for release and blessing to them. Instead of praying for difficulty for that person, you would pray for good. Instead of feeding the resentment that you were feeling toward them and the hatred that you have, your prayer would be for forgiveness and to care for them. It's a different kind of prayer. And I believe that that's what Jesus asked us to radically and aggressively pray for the ones who've hurt us, even when they show no sorrow for what they've done. Even when they show no sorrow for what they've done. Okay, the second thing he says is this, besides praying for them, you must also forgive them. You must also forgive them. Verse 17, he says, repay no evil, no one evil for evil, but give thought to what to do what is honorable in the sight of all. So when you repay someone when they've done evil to you, your essence saying, I want to see them hurt as I've been hurt. I want them to suffer as I've been called or I've had to suffer because of them. So there are two ways, basically, you can you know, repay evil for evil. One is to just to go out and literally do it. So um, this morning, I woke up at 4 o'clock and went to my table to work and got my phone out and saw that someone had texted me last night after I went to bed. And so I thought, you know, I'm just going to text back right now. And so 4.08, I texted this, dear friend. And, um, uh, and so this morning he was telling me that he's going to pay me back for that <laughs> at, at some point. That's one way you can do it. You can repay them by hurting them in some way in retaliation. Uh, the other is just to sit and brood, right? Just to sit and just brood inside over and over what they've done, to nurse it, to, to, you know, to hold it, to treasure it, to cherish it hold on to it because of what they've done. And then you're praying in your heart while they're doing that. Get them. (laughs) God, give them what they deserve. I heard Tim Keller describe what we tend to do with our hurts. He said this, we practice a kind of psychological voodoo. In other words, we, in our minds, we're putting little pins into a doll, hoping that it will hurt them. But in fact, it actually hurts us. And so... That's not the way to go, he says. Do not repay evil for evil. But then he says there is a way to go, and he says to do what is honorable, and that would be to instead forgive them, to forgive them. And this is where some of you are stuck. And I wish I had time to do you know, an entire message today on forgiveness. I don't. Uh, and I'm just going to encourage you that you would allow Holy Spirit to speak to you as we go through this, that he would guide you and that you would hear from him what it is that he's calling you to do in this area of forgiveness. Some of you are stuck because you were hurt to such a degree that you can't imagine any way that you could ever forgive that person who hurt you. But the deal is this, that we need to understand what Paul is saying to us. As long as you hold on to your grudge, you are in fact letting the other person win. You're giving into the evil they've done and it's hurting you way more than it's hurting them. I actually saw this quote on Facebook yesterday. It said this, to hold a grudge is like someone lit, let it is, say it again. To hold a grudge is like letting someone live in your mind without charging them rent. So there they are. Another quote said this, to hold on to grudge and nurse resentment is like drinking rat poison, hoping it'll kill the other person. It's just not going to happen. 
It's hurting you more than them. So here's something I want you to wrap your brain around. When someone wrongs you, if you do respond with blessing, and if you don't respond with blessing and evil, then what you've done is you've allowed yourself to be overcome by evil, and you've now become part of the problem when you don't forgive them. The only way to be free from the pain you've received is to release that person from the debt they owe you before they ask. Release that person from the debt they owe you before they even ask. So you've all heard the phrase, hurt people hurt people, right? Well, the biblical phrase here is that forgiven people forgive people. Because we realize how much we've been forgiven and how much we know we need forgiveness. And so we are able to give others the forgiveness they need and they actually deserve. Okay? Because it's best for you and for them. And that leads us to the third idea. Okay? The third idea is this. Seek reconciliation. Seek reconciliation. He says in verse 18, If possible... So far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Now, I just want to say this before, you know, some of you get totally stuck here uh, with what I'm about to say. I'm not saying that you always have to be in relationship with the person who's hurt you. Okay, it's not what we're saying here. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that you need to be best friends with someone who hurt you deeply. But I am saying this, okay, because we're not off the hook here. I am saying that ignoring the person who hurt you will not help heal the hurt you've received from them. Ignoring them will not help heal the hurt that you've received from them. See, one of the ways that you can really know if you've forgiven someone and released them from the debt that you feel they owe you because of the hurt that they brought to you is how you feel when either their name comes up or when you're in their presence, or when you anticipate being in their presence, and the gyrations you go through inside about what that encounter might be like. See, I've had people say this to me. They've said, I've forgiven them. I just, have, I just refuse to have anything to do with them. And what you're saying is this. I'm forgiving them, and I'm punishing them by re- withdrawing myself to being in relationship with them. That's retaliation still. That's still retaliation. Now, he does give us an exception or a qualifier. So let's make it clear. There's an exception or qualifier. And he says, if possible, right, as much as it depends on you. So there will be times when you're going to need to move out of relationship because even though you've attempted to have some reconciliation, it's just not been possible. That the person won't allow it in some way. So, you know, you move out then of that area of being responsible. But here's the deal. You're only responsible for your own response, not theirs. So he calls us to reconcile. And then lastly, and I think this is probably the hardest, will their good, will their good or their best. Now, Paul, right here, he changes his tone even because he knows what he's about to say is extremely difficult. And so he says, beloved, tender, they're dear brothers and sisters. I know how hard this is going to be, what I'm about to say. But I love you too much not to say it. And he says this, never avenge yourselves. 
but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. And then our key verse, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So what Paul is saying here is that whenever we take matters into our own hands to retaliate, to repay, to avenge ourselves for what is happening, that what we are doing is that we are usurping God's authority and God's justice. And in fact, we are playing God. That's what he's saying there. He's saying, instead, you have started with the surrender to God part. So stay surrendered to him and submit to him and realize that it's his part, it's his role to respond with justice and it says with vengeance. And our part is to respond with generosity and goodwill. Generosity and goodwill. So let God avenge you. And so this is going to free up a lot of thinking time for some of us. Instead of wasting your time thinking of ways that you can get even, or you know the prayers you're praying that where they'll fall in some way, let God do the justice part so you can spend your time instead thinking of ways to extend goodness in some way. Paul's not necessarily saying that we're called to feed those who've hurt us. He said they're feed those or give them a drink. So he's not really saying show up at their door with a pizza and a Pepsi. Not necessarily saying that. Uh, but what he is saying is he's saying that in every way possible, seek to do goodwill to them. Seek to do goodwill to them. So there's this ver- there's a section there that some of us have cherished and relished that says that when you do good, it's like pouring burning coals on their head. Right? Some of you cherish that one. And what he's saying is he's saying that grace and goodness actually overcome evil. Evil does not overcome evil. Evil makes you equal with the perpetrator. But grace and goodness actually overcome evil. And he's not saying this, guys. Okay, he's not saying do your good works so that what happens is it's like this nuclear meltdown that happens and so their face just kind of melts off and down into their brain you know that he's not saying that he's not saying that at all he's using a colloquialism of his day to say that by doing good that what you're going to do is you're going to bring about a sense of guilt so that that person can see the wrong they have done the wrong they have done Just as it would not be pleasant to have hot coals poured over your head, it is also not pleasant to experience the intense burning of guilt and shame for how you've hurt another person. See, when we return evil for evil, what we do, listen really carefully, is we relieve the conscience of the one who has hurt us. In fact... When we return evil for evil, it actually validates the hatred they have toward you. Instead, when we return good, when we've received evil, 
it allows God to work in a way to prick a person's conscience, to turn the heat up in their heart so that they might respond in a way uh, that God would desire and want in that case. So basically what he's saying is when you respond with good to evil, it's just a way of waking the person up. Your goodwill and your kindness, and I'll just say this has to be aggressive goodwill and aggressive kindness, actually wakes them up to what they've done. So here's what he said to us today. He said, bless them. And so we pray for them instead of you know, cursing them. He said that I want you, instead of repaying evil for evil, I want you to do what is honorable. I want you to forgive them. He says, I want you to live peaceably with all people. And so that would mean seeking reconciliation whenever possible. And then he says, I want you to will their good. Do good for them. Now, when I was thinking about this, I was thinking, man, this is hard. I was thinking about the times I was heard. I was thinking about the stories I know uh, and of people who have been hurt way worse than I have. And I was thinking that some of you today would be sitting there thinking right now, there's no way. There's no way I can do this. And because I know that we'll all find ourselves either now or at some place in the future in a place where we need to forgive and do these four steps, um, what I thought we'd do is we just talk for a minute about how it can be possible. I wrote you an email blast that says what we're looking at today seems impossible. But I'm just saying this to us, that if it were not possible, God would not have said it. If it were not possible, he would not have guided us to do this. So where do we get the power to pray words of blessing? Where do we get the power to offer forgiveness, even if it's not been sought after? Where do we get the power to come alongside and be in someone's presence who have hurt us in some way? Where do we get the power to do goodwill so that we can actually do the good to those who have hurt us in some way? Well, the answer is found in the very first verse of Romans 12. I'm going to go back and read that. It's on the bottom of your notes. Paul says, I appeal to you, therefore, by the mercies of God. Would you circle that? By the mercies of God. To present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. The power to overcome evil with good is supernatural. It requires a power beyond my nature. My nature is to repay. My nature is to hate. My nature is to want to get even. My nature is to want to hold a grudge. My nature is not to forgive. That's the nature we all have. So if we're going to be able to do what he calls us to do, every one of us must come to the place where we're willing to say, by the mercies of God, by the mercies of God, because I am forgiven, I can forgive. By his mercy, I am a living sacrifice. Living sacrifice. I am surrendered fully and submitted to him. And so I'm going to do as he calls. I'm going to do as he asks in this place. The only way we can do this is if we understand and grasp and live our life in the aggressive grace of God. 
in the mercies that he showed us, by when he went to heaven, when he went to the cross, he showed us his aggressive approach. That even when we were still his enemies, he sent Jesus Christ to the cross to die for us, to sacrifice for you and for me, so that because of his death, we could then at some point be brought back into relationship with him, even even if we had not asked for forgiveness, he sent Jesus to die so that we could come back into relationship with him and we could be made whole. See, God showed aggressive grace, and he's called us to do the same thing. His aggressive grace made it be possible for us to walk with him. So what we're going to do today, because I really think that this is hard to do, and because really it's the wrap-up to the entire series, is we're going to end today... Uh, with a song that we've sung throughout the entire series, and it's the key action step to surrendering to God. It's the action step to the relationship with God part. It's called surrender to him. It's a heart decision, but it's also an outward expression. So what I'm going to ask you to do with me right now is I'm going to ask you to join in, and I'm going to ask you to sing this song with a posture of aggressive surrender. Uh, That may mean that you're going to stand. That may mean you're going to sit. That may mean you're going to get on your knees. That may mean that you're going to raise your hands with a universal sign of surrender. That I'm going to surrender to him. And what we want to understand is that we can overcome. I'll say it this way. We have overcome by the mercies of God. Therefore, what we want to do is we say, God, I'm going to offer myself to you as a living sacrifice. I'm going to surrender to you, and I'm going to trust you. I'm not going to be in charge of controlling the outcomes. I'm going to trust you with the people who have hurt me and wronged me. So that's Brian and the team if they lead us in this song about giving our hearts to him.
much for this opportunity and I know that there are people in the room and one of the things that they're saying right now is that God I've carried this pain I've carried this hurt I've carried this wrong for a long time and I know that it's been eating away at my soul it's been eating away at my relationship with you and my ability to relate to others and so I just want to let it go now I want to trust you. I just crawl onto this altar today. It's this living sacrifice. And I want to trust you. Trust that you will heal me. Trust that you will take this offering today. And it's a sweet aroma in your nostrils. And that in this moment, I was set free. I'm set free. And God, I pray that you would help us to know how to live as free people. Everyone in this room is going to get pinched, hurt, maybe persecuted in some way. We are all going to get opportunity to live out the words that Paul said. We surrender to you. We rescinder our rights. We surrender to you the feelings that things have to be fair, our self-defensiveness, we surrender it to you, and we give it to you. We just ask today, God, that you would help us to be forgivers of people, blessers of people, that even when we've been hurt, that you will do such a work in us that the thought of being in someone's presence or hearing a phone call or even seeing someone on Facebook or other social media, that we won't cringe inside. But instead, that we will wish for their good. I pray that you would show us how to will the good for others. And just as you were aggressive when you sent Jesus, help us to be aggressive in the way that we love others. It's in Jesus' name we pray, and we thank you for this. Amen.